just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries, and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today's episode is coming to you straight from Windy Wellington, where I sat down with Tom Noble. Tom was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, or OCD, and I am so honoured that he chose us to share his story with today. In this episode, Tom talks about his anxiety and obsessions, what it's like to be in a panic spiral, how medication and psychologists have worked for him, and he even throws in a PSA about flippant using the term OCD. I've said this so many times, but I really do appreciate every single person who shares a bit of them with the That So Chronic community. Tom speaks so openly about his mental health and side note, you wouldn't even know that it's his first podcast appearance. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to That So Chronic. Tom Noble, welcome to the podcast. Um, I have it on good authority that you have always wanted to be on a podcast. So this is very exciting. It is so exciting. I can't even believe it. I'm so excited to be on not only a podcast, but on the amazing Jess Bryan's podcast. Yes. It's so, so good. I cannot wait. It has been an absolute honor getting to know you over the past month, I guess, that I've been in Wellington. And for those listening at home that don't know, uh, Tom is currently the artist and venue coordinator for the New Zealand Fringe Festival. And But you don't always live in New Zealand, do you? Normally you're in Australia? Yeah, um, for the most part over the last 10 years or so, I've been jumping between Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane. Um, and then a little bit, back, and then back to Wellington a couple of times for, yeah. uh, for a few festivals. But being back in Wellington has been so good and equally amazing getting to know you over the last month. I Such love a that our desks are right next to each other. And when you weren't there for a couple of days, I was like, I really miss Tom. I was like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I just you have to look at the side of my head all the time. It's like, oh, I need to work on my profile. Like I need to make sure my my I'm shaved correctly. So Jess looks at something that's symmetrical and nice. Like it's just important. Speaking of that though, there was a photo taken in the office, and I saw me sitting at my desk, and my back is like a C. I have the worst posture in that office. Mate, mate, me too. Me too. It's office life. I haven't. To be fair, I haven't noticed you having bad posture. Okay. I, I usually pick people on it, so <laughs> I, you, I think you're fine. Okay, phew. Now, what we are here talking about today is that you do have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Correct. And I guess, shall we kick straight into it and sure. start all the way at the beginning of when did you notice that something was happening for you that might not have been happening to everybody else? It's been a, sort of a bit of a tricky journey, so it's hard to kind of pinpoint an exact time. But ex- looking at time-wise, about five years ago, I went to a psychologist for the first time, and it was, wasn't specifically OCD-related. It was more, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize at the time, more anxiety-related. And... That discussion led into more discussions and to more learning. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until about three years after that, after multiple jumps around different um, experiences, 
that a different psych told me oh. that it was. She's like, oh, oh, it's OCD. And I was like, oh, oh, this is very casual. This is a very casual diagnosis. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So I've been. So it was kind of over th- over a two three year period a couple of years ago. Yeah. Or like five years ago. Maths. Ugh. Yeah. What What is your definition of what OCD is? I think my definition. My definition around it, that's a, that's a really good question, um, is that it's an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So my kind of understanding is that you know, anxiety anxiety is obviously this huge um, umbrella term and it's something that's getting a lot more attention in society and in culture at the moment. It is a much more accepted, for lack of a better word, phrase mm-hmm. and it's brought into, you know, cultural understanding OCD really sits sits under that as one mm-hmm. of the major anxiety disorders and I think where OCD comes into it specifically is when it's particularly like any disorder is when it's affecting your daily life yeah when it's really your it becomes a main stage of, of what's going on for you and um, for OCD for me personally it can mean lots of different things mm-hmm. and it can jump from various types of focused anxieties. It can jump from an obsession around health anxiety to an uh, obsessive obsession around guilt mm-hmm. and obsession around the feeling that I've hurt someone. Yeah. Then it can jump to social anxiety and it kind of just jump, picks up and jumps all yeah. over the place. When I was doing some research into OCD on Dr. Google, yes. I was love a bit of Dr. Googling sometimes. I was learning that OCD is it, it affects three types, like three parts of the brain, and okay. I don't actually know how to pronounce the names of them. But essentially, it's the social cognitive part of the brain mm. and the voluntary movement part of the brain oh. and also the emotional and motivational responses. Oh my gosh. And then, and you know, this is why I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but then, yeah, it must be affecting those parts of the brain and that's what it then exhibits and comes out physically yeah. in the body. Oh my gosh, you are so smart. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, I too have read that of the, the brain. Uh, yes. <laughs> and so... It sounds really simple when you actually break it down, but for my whole life up to 27 years old, I didn't really realize and understand obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. And I was learning that you have, well, not you, but like people have obsessions and then there's the compulsions. And so the obsessions, like you say, could be around guilt or hurting Mm. someone and the then the compulsions to help mitigate the anxiety of those obsessions is yeah. what then comes out, which could be like counting numbers or yeah. colors or um, like movements. And I just find that so interesting. Yeah. So what, I guess, in 2021, hmm. right now, how would you describe what OCD looks like for you? what your obsessions or what your compulsions are? For 2021, it's it's kind to a, to a degree, it's kind of plateaued. Okay. Which is, which is good. But at the same time, I've come to a place with it where I can kind of peg it and I can mm-hmm. have the wherewithal to go, okay, that might be an anxiety or an OCD-based mm-hmm. thought or anxiety thought. Okay. And what happened kind of toward the end of last year and maybe a little bit at the start of this year is realizing that social anxiety is something that can turn into something that's 
maybe not OCD, but something that is definitely triggers my anxious brain. Okay. And something to give more focus to. Mm-hmm. And to go, okay, I'm experiencing social anxiety. I don't want to be in this position right now. I don't want to be talking to people. I just want to be out and not here. Um, and try to challenge, yeah. challenge that voice a little bit. Which is interesting because it's very different to um, my main compulsions and my main um, OCD triggers that have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going all the way back to five or so years ago when mm. all of this was kind of starting and this, these psychologists were starting to think, maybe this is OCD. <laughs> what was happening for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was one thing which was, it was, re- it was pretty, it was super duper intense and mm-hmm. it's like crazy, crazy personal. Like I don't want to go into yep. it. It's just like, whoa. Yep. Um, <laughs> but what, and that wasn't even really, OCD centric that was mm-hmm. more like weird anxiety yeah. thoughts but what it turned into was oh gosh what was the first thing it was I think the first thing was health it was health-based anxiety okay so what would happen is I would feel like I would have something I would feel like I'd have some kind of disease or some oh, wow. kind of yeah. virus or whatever yeah and then I would go into obsessive very highly sick circular thought spirals around oh, okay. it and then we go okay and then i'll google it and go okay i just need to prove on google yeah. that i'm not sick i'm not going to pass it on yeah. and then i'll go on google and i'm like okay there is a chance i could have done something and then it just spirals and spirals and spirals yeah. and spirals yeah. until i end up at the hospital yeah. needing a doctor to tell me that um, i haven't given my family hepatitis b like yeah. it's just yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's kind of my thing, and that kind of turned into. It started, it started mainly around sex. Like it started as quite a sexual thing. Like I'm yeah. worried I'd have an STI, and then mm-hmm. the idea of potentially passing on an STI to my family, yeah. obviously without having sex with them. Yeah, um, this is like whoa, was a whole thing. Yeah, and it kept on, it kept on spiraling over the case of a brown six oh, a, a while because health anxiety for me comes and goes a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, it kind of got to a point where I was so worried that I was sharing toothpaste with someone yeah. that I had to go to the hospital yeah. to get a doctor to tell me that I wasn't going to give my family some yeah. disease by sharing toothpaste. It was. Was it always the same doctor that you were seeing during this time, or would it be at the hospital and it would just be whatever doctor was there? Whatever doctor was yeah. there. Um, it started off. It started off because the first. The first time I was really seeing a doctor a lot about it, it was the same one. Yeah. And um, it was because I was going to a GP. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when it kind of got led into getting medicated for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah, medication. Medication is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the second kind of big experience mm-hmm. with it was various. Like it was, I was going to the emergency room on Adelaide Road. Yeah. And it was just, Whoever was there mm-hmm. at whatever time. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to see some really good ones, mm-hmm. which was really good. And some people that really understood it and yeah. were really on board. But yeah, I kind of varied and jumped around. And so when you were there in mm. the emergency room talking to these doctors, did you? how did you feel? And how did you feel like the doctors were responding to you? Did they understand sort of immediately what was going on? Or was it a bit of a these doctors don't believe me. Mm. Yeah, I'm just wondering how that went. For the most part, it was really good. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think, from what I understand, it's very common for people to, whether whether it's OCD or whether it's, you know, a localised anxiety moment, 
going in and seeing a doctor and trying to rule out something. Yeah. It's completely natural. It's just what happens. Yeah. So doctors spend a lot of their time doing that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I really registered that at the time, mm-hmm. but looking back on it, I can see that they were being very, very patient, which is great. So I mostly, I, I, don't, I didn't have, when I was in a massive panic spiral and mm-hmm. seeing them for that, I didn't have any negative experiences. Yeah, and I think I'm, awesome. which I think is, re- I was really lucky and really, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Because I can, I haven't heard of any stories, but I can imagine people not having great experiences around it. But what was, the ones that were really good, the ones that were really switched on, and it might not have read to me at the time that they were really switched on, were the ones that recognized the OCD side of it. Oh, okay. And recognized, okay, the, way for someone to move through OCD isn't being reassured all the time. Yeah. It's not okay. being it's not being told, I'm gonna give you reassurance, this is fine. There had to be a level of you're gonna to have to deal with this yourself a little oh, bit. Okay. Like this is something that you know, like you know logically where yeah. you're at and you can there's a there's a level of the brain of being able to deal with a level of grey area mm-hmm. and that people do naturally and you're just gonna to to move forward with your disorder or to move forward and getting better at handling it you're going to have to deal, get better at working with this gray area wow. and, and they didn't say that directly yeah. they were like you need to get ready and you need to go through yeah. some shit <laughs> they were just they were more like oh, okay yeah i don't super, they might I, I can't even remember but yeah. they were just more aware of it and they it might have even been that they said that they were like yeah. look it's you need to understand that we can't you us giving you we're very here to give you reassurance yeah. and we're very here for that but to progress and to get a better handle on it, it's better that you can work with it yourself and yeah. that kind of stuff. That's really interesting because when you're having, a, I guess, like a relapse or a, a moment where mm. all of this is just reaching its peak, yet logically, do you know that you're being irrational or in the moment, can you, can like, that's what's so interesting for me. Mm. Like, can you see that maybe this probably isn't, yeah. your reality but you think it is or yeah how does that feel in the moment oh it's the worst yeah uh, <laughs> and it's it's one of those things of going so it's it, ver- it varies and it's it's been a long time since I've been really yeah. trapped in it and I know there's a level of going I know this is I know this is OCD mm-hmm. but it's being able if we were looking at like the if we're looking at the health thing specifically, yeah. you can see the logic. Yeah. And when you can see the logic and you can see that there is a chance of something happening, no matter how minuscule. Like yeah. I could read on the internet and it could be like one in three billion chance. Yeah. I'd still be like... Well, I could be the one in three billion. One in three billion. Yeah. You know, things happen in one in three billion. Yeah. Look at the logic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so you could recognize it, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't necessarily ease that constant it wouldn't it wouldn't ease the the obsession yeah it wouldn't ease the the secular thinking of going it's okay it probably hasn't happened probably wasn't good enough it had yeah. to be from a doctor yeah and it had to be from a, a doctor who said speci- very specifically the right things yes so I, often i'd go to a doctor and i'd go in for a session and then i'd leave and then about five minutes later i'm like oh i didn't think of this and then i'll go back yeah and then i would a lot of times it happened three times in a row. Okay. Where I would be going and seeing the same doctor in the space of 15 minutes. Wow. Just to get reassurance about yeah. something that I might have not said or might have not said correctly. So, yeah, it, when you're right inside of it, it's 
oh, it's so shitty. And no one can really, it's really kind of only you and who, whatever professional in the in this health yeah. specific instance can pull you out of it. Yeah. For something like guilt, a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, um, I've got a real, I've got, you know, I've got a really close, close amount of friends mm-hmm. and family. And when I'm in my particular guilt side of things, um, one thing was, oh, oh my gosh, you went there for so long. It was so wild. But for, it was kind of a fun, it's kind of fun and ridiculous for the same time deeply dramatic. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of those ones, woo, um, yeah. is when I would remember something from a few years ago that I would have said about someone mm-hmm. to someone else. Yeah. And then go, oh, that wasn't my story. And then feel horrific. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go and then, even if something years and years and years ago that they probably don't even remember, I have no idea, yeah. I would need to go and apologize. Wow. And it wasn't, and it was, I needed that reassurance that it was okay. Mm-hmm. I needed that reassurance it was okay. Otherwise, I would cease to function. Okay. I would just be horizontal. Yeah. And going, oh, I need them to tell me yeah. it's all okay. Yeah. And so, and it couldn't be, no matter who else in the world would be like, this is OCD or yeah. it's fine. Mm-hmm. It would take a lot of struggle wow. to yeah. to get either through it on that end or to get the reassurance from them. And while you're waiting to get this reassurance, mm. what does that look like? you it's it's been so long since i've really been stuck in that space i think it kind of it's kind of changed over over the progression of understanding how i work with ocd and my understanding of ocd because sometimes it's i'm still i'm still figuring out whether ocd is something i have Mm -hmm. or if it's something that i'm susceptible to yeah I think the way I kind of sorry, this is a tangent. Um, I, lo- I love a good tangent. Tangent <laughs> um, is that you have everyone has anxiety and has moments of anxiety. Me, they can be it can and with OCD, it can be obsessive anxiety, mm-hmm. and when it's distracting your day, it's OCD. Yeah. So when I'm really in the thick of OCD moment, that's it, it just shifts. So I guess at the start when I was unaware of what it was and kind of what I was feeling, it was just like all encapsulating thought and the need to have this reassurance of it was okay or I hadn't passed out a disease Mm -hmm. and it was, what could could it look like? Lying down, like lying down and just closing my eyes and just waiting to get a message. Yeah. Or it could be, constant constant messages and just yeah. waiting for it something to come through it could be running to the doctor's office yeah. like having having a big cry on the side of the road because i don't think i can run fast enough to get to my appointment on time yeah just a complete encapsulation yeah and i think where it kind of progressed with more talk therapy with more understanding was like okay this could be an ocd this could be an anxiety-based moment. This could be uh, me being susceptible to OCD. And then my first kind of delving into cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. it was a idea reflection. Okay. So I was going, okay, what's happening here? Yeah. How can I challenge this thought? Where are the biases in this thought? What could it actually be? And challenging that. Yeah. And so the process looked less like panic, panic, panic stations, mm-hmm. more like, 
panic stations, but let's have a think about what's going on. Yeah. And then sometimes it would not ease, but sometimes that would help and, mm-hmm. and maybe in a low and like a low stress or a you know, like a code orange or whatever it's like a medium not red alert situation. Yeah. I might might have been able to move through it and come out and go, Okay, I don't need this reassurance. Or sometimes I just do the work and then I'd be like, nah. Yeah, still need that reassurance. <laughs> Don't need it, thanks so much. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, where is yeah. Um, and then I kind of shifted in different ways with different therapies I looked at. And now it much more, now it comes much more of a cerebral experience. Yeah. I must yeah. say, this must have been quite expensive for you. Oh, yeah. 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 Very. Trips to ED are not cheap. Nope. No, it's, it very, it very, like it wasn't, because it wasn't, luckily it wasn't ED all the time. Mm-hmm. It was just when it was outside of hours, but it was enough. Like it was like 90 bucks yeah. a sesh. But even in New Zealand, even at the time, this is before, before the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, it was, it was like around 60 bucks a sesh, which is still expensive if you're going, you know, one to three times a week. Yeah. Um, which is what it was at one point yeah. to to a degree. And then on top of that, meds, which were not too bad. New Zealand's very good at meds, actually. Yeah. And then on top of that, psych, which in New Zealand is just prohibitively expensive. Yeah. It's wild. And then Australia, which where I was at for a good you know, part of it, is yeah. a bit better. Okay. So when you were going to see these doctors, were they then just letting you go about your day, leaving you to it? Or were they then offering extra additional support to actually help you with what you were going to see them about. It kind of varied. I think they, in their practice, they just had to treat it on a bit of a, like a, a situ- situation by situation basis. Yeah. And I think a lot of them were like, gave me the reassurance that I asked for. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bye. Okay, and then yeah. that's right. Yep. Some of them, if I had a more ongoing relationship with them, like maybe it's time to go and see a psychologist maybe it's time yeah. to seek talk therapy or maybe it's time to take a medication mm-hmm. and and the, like the sexual health clinic got i mean i bombarded them at the time yeah. as well the whole time yeah. and they were good at that as well they were like they were a bit more hardline which is which was good i mean they're amazing they're amazing yeah. like i love them go to sexual health clinics the one in wellington's are so good but they got to a point where they're like we can't help you anymore you need to be talking to a you okay. need to be seeing your GP. You need to be seeing a psychologist. Right. Which is completely fair. Yeah. Like I was, it was the whole time. So there was ongoing, and I call that ongoing support. Mm-hmm. For me, that was, it didn't feel like it at the time. I was yeah. like, how cute. Yeah. How do you not yeah. solve my problems? But it was ongoing support. Yeah. And some of them were really good at that. And, but if there wasn't, if it wasn't ongoing support, it was, an immediate, yeah. it was immediate support. I know that I made like a little joke about Dr. Google before, oh, but ugh. it is, I was listening to something the other day. I can't think of what the interview was, but someone was saying, oh, it was about, oh, I was listening to a podcast about pregnancy randomly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's side note. Yeah. It's um, Chessie King. She's okay. on Instagram. She's absolutely fantastic. And she has a podcast at the moment all about her pregnancy journey. Mm. And because I love following her, I was listening in. But then I was a bit like, oh, that is a lot of information about being pregnant that I don't want to know about. Well, pregnant. <laughs> but yeah. she was saying that, yeah, Googling has been the hardest thing because mm. you can literally find whatever bit of information that you want to find oh, on yeah. Google. Like if you want to find information and decide, I don't know, 
that a square is not actually a square. Like, you will be able to find yeah, that. Yeah, 100. <laughs> yeah, you could find, you're like, oh, am I actually a human? Oh, no, it turns out I'm a space lover's creature yeah. and I'm flat. Like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, awesome. Thank you so much, Google. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, Google's it. It's your best friend and it's a complete nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the same time. And yeah, Googling health, I really, that was a big struggle yeah. with the health stuff. It was... A lot of don't Google it, don't Google it. But maybe if I just Google it, it'll help. And I won't struggle like this, don't Google it. Um, And sometimes it was great and sometimes it was not good. There are a bunch of myths surrounding OCD Mm. that like everybody has a little bit of OCD in them or that you can just stop it and that nothing bad is going to happen to you. And I'm just wondering how you feel about some of these myths. Sure. I think, and I'm so glad you brought it up because I've been wanting to do, and I've been wanting to do it like a weird little PSA. Yeah. And it's not like a serious PSA. Like I don't want to be like a big like, it's time I tell my truth situation. (laughs) But I feel like what you mean, maybe what you mean by myths, and feel free to correct me, Mm -hmm. is that people sometimes be like, oh, I'm just so OCD sometimes. Yes, it's like using OCD as an adjective, that yeah. they can just suddenly be OCD today. It's like, no, no. I think, I think, and it's, and I don't think it's anyone, it's anyone's fault. Like, it, it's just kind of fallen to yeah. the vernacular of, you know, modern language mm-hmm. of whatever. But I think something to consider is that the D in OCD is disorder. Yeah. Like, this is something that people, it takes away their livelihood. Like, it destroys, not destroys them, that's not, that's not fair, but it's very impactful. Yeah. So there's a diff- there's a difference between being a little bit OCD and a little bit focused in a mo- a little bit overtly focused in a moment, or a little bit obsessed with something. I think yeah. be, you can be a little bit obsessed, of course. Anyone yeah. can be a little bit obsessed, but it's different to being OCD. It's kind of like saying I'm a little bit anxious to oh I'm a little bit anxiety disorder. Yeah. Like yeah. That's kind of where it sits, and because anxiety. It, is just starting to be learnt about, Mm -hmm. that will hopefully come in time. And to be fair, I've heard, I haven't heard people use I'm a little bit OCD Mm -hmm. as much lately, which is good, but it's still a thing. Yeah, and it and it seems as though a lot of people think OCD is just being really tidy and washing your hands all the time. Yeah, and when really it's so much more than that. Oh, it is so much more than that. Like there are so many different. It's, it's it's so interesting because it is so much more than that and it can, from what I understand, it can manifest in so many different ways. Yeah. Like some people, I think from memories from my reading ages ago, there's a type of OCD. Oh my God, this is, I should not be quoting. Um, please look this up and uh, research it yourself. Uh, this might not be completely accurate. Um, is like the perfect O. I think it's called like the perfect O yeah. or the perfect obsession or something like that where it doesn't actually manifest in physical... Mm-hmm. physical um, like physical Yeah, physical things. things. Like a physical yeah. thing. Oh gosh, I should really remember what it is. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. Um, and that it's purely mind based. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of mind is purely mind based yeah. as well. But it, it just I think my point is that it can look like so many different things. Yeah. And it's absolutely and it kinda kinda gets yeah, as you said, like gets portrayed in maybe in the media or on yeah. T V as being like, I need to line up all of my red pencils next to my yellow pencils yeah. and it needs to be like this or I can't get on with my day. And maybe that's what it does look like. Yeah. But for some, for some people, and that sucks. Like yeah. It, and that sucks. Um, and already on yeah. this podcast, talking to you and talking to my friend Josh about mm. his OCD as well, or his OCD experience, two very completely different mm. ways that it's manifesting. And Yeah. yeah. 
And it's wild. I mean, I should, I need to listen. I need to meet your friend Josh. Yeah. But yeah, it just manifests in different ways. Like I yeah. still, there's the, oh, rituals. The word is rituals. Rituals. Uh, there we go. Rituals. <laughs> um, uh, like I still have a lot of, I've been through, with my health stuff, I went through a lot of hand washing yeah. stuff as well. Like, oof, my hands are red, yeah. red, raw. It was a yeah. time. Which is, you know, kind of, again, one of the classically, classic, classically, part of the classic overture <laughs> of physical hand washing. Welcome <laughs> to the stage. Um, yeah, something that I was with as well. But yeah, yeah. It, as you said, it, it looks like so many different things. Yeah. But in the, same, in the same way, sorry, I feel like I'm on a run. No, I love um, this. This is a run. Um, classic. One of the great things uh, of part of my learning journey around OCD is that in many ways it's also very textbook. Right. Like, um, or at least it was for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd read a book about OCD and be like, you might be experiencing A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I'm like, well, mother effort. Like, <laughs> yes, like, yes, that's, you just read me to filth. Like, that is exactly what I'm feeling. And it was and very, that must, com- was that comforting? Oh, it was so comforting. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. This is, this is OCD. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah this is, this doctor person is very smart and they've listed out this thing. And yeah. I feel like that. And what was great is that the books I was reading also gave you a toolkit to help you work through that, mm-hmm. which is great. And then on top of that, the real, this is a bit, um, oh, no, I want, that's my favorite phrase. It's a bit airy-fairy. It's a bit woo-woo. And it's not really woo-woo. Um, but it's looking at how anxiety disorder and how OCD can become a strength. Like where can you find yeah. the strength in it and where can you find the positive aspects from mm-hmm. it, which is also really good. Yeah. Did it ever affect your work life? Did it? Did you ever notice that OCD was creeping into, you know, make the making money and in, in the workplace? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's interesting. I can, if I look back on it, like before my big sort of big anxiety psych episodes, I can see at least one example of how it unconsciously mm-hmm. affected, and it was actually. Can I go two examples? Can two examples? Which I, this one I hadn't really thought of too much before. But one was years ago when I was first producing. I was producing my first show, basically yeah. working with a director I didn't really know, and I really needed their affirmation. And I feel like there was a level of OCD in that where I was mentally thrown about, and I just needed to do a good job. And it was complete obsession, and it it took away from work I was doing. Yeah. It took away from no, it, became, it was an OCD. Like, it was really affecting me day to day. To day. And I should probably think about that time a little bit more. I hadn't reflected <laughs> too much on that one. But in a more recent example, a few years ago, I was in a festival. And it was during a particularly bad time where I was yeah. constant. I was going to the doctors a lot. I was washing my hands for ages at a time, long, long, long periods of time. I was on phone calls to helplines. Mm-hmm. To the point where I had to have a conversation with work about it. Yeah. And be like, this is where it's at. Like this is taking this is currently taking away from the timeline of yeah. my job. And um, I need you to be it's good it's good for you to be aware of that. Yeah. And they were very good. They were very understanding, um, which is lovely. And I think, yeah, it's it's definitely I think that's the only time it really had a big impact and then it kind of worked out. And mm-hmm. luckily enough, as you know, working in festivals um, it was lucky enough to happen quite early on in the contract where it yeah. wasn't right before the festival. Yeah. So I was able to work with it. And by the time it got to the festival lead up period, it was kind of plateaued and was all right. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely taken away from 
day-to-day money-earning financial support adult life, for mm. sure. Did you know anybody else with OCD? No. And were you able to talk about this with anybody? Did you have close people that you were confiding in? Yeah, yeah. I've lo- I mean, I have an amazing group of friends. And I think, you know, those particular people have changed over the course yep. of time. But I, yeah, I've got, I've got a bunch of friends. Some are just very easy to talk to and have, the, have their own mental health yep. struggles. And they could really empathize and they could mm-hmm. really chat about it. And that was really good. My family, amazing. Yeah. My family, just crazy supportive. Yeah. Um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to ease out of saying crazy because I yeah. feel like it's not great. But um, very extremely supportive, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then psychologists. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were, I had a, yeah, a good network of people around me, which is really good. So let's chat about seeing psychologists. Oh, great! And how that has worked for you. Sure. It's great. Everyone should go see a psychologist. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, yeah, they really opened my eyes up to what, you know, what a mental health, what mental health is to a degree. Yeah. I mean, there was reading around it, but I'm such a lazy reader, so there was a lot yeah. of reading around it. Yeah. But they really, for me, were able to show different perspectives mm-hmm. and point you towards those kind of textbook yeah. things. I guess seeing psychology for the first time was... Yeah, it was really it was kind of intem- was intimidating, mm-hmm. but yeah, but good. I don't know. It's it was good. It's I've had mostly really good experiences. Like, no, I'd say all really all really good experiences with psychs, but it's also talking to people and a little bit of my own experience. You, it's important to find and want someone who either some person who you're talking to at the time who really kind of gets it or you really yeah. relate to. Yeah, because um, you mentioned that you were moving quite a bit mm. doing um, different festivals around New Zealand and Australia. Mm. How did that process go to see someone in that place that you now work? Did you have to like shop around or is there something that you know now to look out for and you think, yes, that, that person could be good for me? Or Yeah, I tend to. I haven't, to be honest, it's been a, I need to go back to like, I haven't been a psych in ages, mm-hmm. um, but I very much intend to. It's... Yeah, it's when I was in Melbourne, I was seeing I was in Melbourne for a, a decent span of time. Okay. So I was able to sort of establish quite a good relationship with one psych over the course of maybe I can't really remember, between six and twelve months, yeah. six and ten months or so. Um, and that was really good. And that was kind of helped me through the start mm-hmm. of the journey. And then I came to New Zealand and then had another particularly bad episode mm-hmm. or time of episode's the right phrase. But and then I'd start seeing another psych and that was when I got, when they were quite flippant about OCD. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I was a big fan of them. They were great. Yeah. I learned later on that maybe they weren't the best mm-hmm. for me. I can't even remember why. Yeah. And then I kind of went, ended up getting into, I can't remember if it was that episode, another one. I ended up getting into the DHB, CCDHB yeah. system in New Zealand. So I was yeah. very um, fortunate seeing a psych and a psychiatrist for mm-hmm. free, which is yeah. stunning. Everyone make it free. Um, <laughs> And so I had a good relationship with them. And so, yeah, jump and then jumped around a little bit. And it's, yeah. I got, I remember when I was kind of halfway between Melbourne and Wellington, for one thing, I really wanted to see someone and I was trying to figure out the best course of action. And mm-hmm. my Welling, my Melbourne psychologist was like, it's not, we don't recommend that you see 
two psychologists at the ah, same time. Interesting. It's better that you have one. You, you're working with one person at a time. Yeah. Because the, I think from what I remember, what I understand, they're working with different methods and they're working yeah. on different timelines. Yeah. So you kind of having that one-on-one relationship is more important and it mm-hmm. could mix and muddle, which I think is valid. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. And then I stopped. I was seeing a, I was seeing my Melbourne psych over Zoom oh, for a while, yeah. which was really good, or Zoom or before pre-Zoom, Skype. Before Zoom, yes. Skype. Skype. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Skype. R.I.P. Skype. Poor Skype. Are they, poor Skype. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how long did they hold that mantle for so long? So long. You'd, you'd, you'd Skype call someone. Yeah. Now you Zoom call someone. Oh, so hard. And did, oh, and like sidebar, but I would never remember my Skype password. Oh, gone, gone. <laughs> gone to the wind. I've reset it eight times and yeah. then got, no, no, too hard FaceTime or too hard Zoom. Yeah. 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 And then you start taking medication. Yeah. And what medication? Do you uh, take? I take uh, fluoxetine, mm-hmm. which is the um, chemical word or the whatever of Prozac. Mm-hmm. So it's been around for a while, very yeah. tested. And I've kind of, my medication journey has just going on different, going on different doses. Okay. Yeah. So I started on it, started, on, it's kind of, I feel like it's a different trajectory for everyone, but I yeah. started on a low dose and it got moved up. Mm-hmm. Stayed at one point for a while. I was feeling really good. Yeah. I took myself off it. Terrible. Like yeah. that's a if you I feel like maybe this is a PSA, but be be careful when you're taking yourself off medication. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a journey mm-hmm. and you should probably unless you're very lucky and you don't need to wean, you should wean off it. Yeah. Um, so I weaned myself off it. Relapse after that yeah. at some point. And then went back on it and then saw, that was when I eventually saw my psychiatrist for the first time. Okay. And they're like, we should up, we should up it again. Okay. So I went from kind of an early dose to a low dose to a heavier dose, a dose that's kind of, from what I understand, for general anxiety disorder is maybe a larger amount for general anxiety disorder um, or an increased amount for general anxiety disorder. And then I ended up, or I'm still am on what I was told is kind of the go-to for OCD specifically. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. So that's kind of what I've been on, and I've kind of considered weaning off it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the psych I saw at the time was like, hang on this for five years. Okay, okay. And I was like, great, five years. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. And you now. mentioned at the beginning of how OCD looks in 2021 mm. that you're feeling good and it's all working yeah that's great like it's a it's a funny one like it's still it's still a journey yeah like I I feel like over the last little while I've also had a few moments of going oh maybe maybe I'm not experiencing this particular thing Mm -hmm. because I'm on this level of medication yeah which is a it's just a bummer which is a bummer and naturally a bummer but it doesn't come close to outweighing yeah not having to go to the hospital every five minutes. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, so I'm still looking at still looking at that. So you know, it come it's still there's still challenges there, but it's yeah plateaued and it's a more is it a more cerebral experience. I can look yeah. at it with a lot more perspective. Yeah, which sometimes is fine. Sometimes it's like it's still it's still shit. But yeah, for the most part, it's all G. I love being able to chat with amazing humans like yeah. you about it. I really am just so honoured that you want to share your OCD story with me and with the That's So Chronic listeners, and it truly means so much to me. So thank you so, so, so much. 
you did say that you would love to do a PSA maybe sometime. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if you would like to do a quick little PSA. Sure. Well, I mean, I can't. I think the piece I want to do is fully like, just be careful around using. Yeah. Oh, that's. I'm so. I'm just a little bit OCD. I'm so OCD. Like, just like, it's not your fault. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. Just have a think. Remember that the D in OCD is disorder. Yeah. And that if a disorder affects people's daily lives. Yeah. So maybe try and consider that when you're used, throwing around OCD casually. Yes. But you're still great. Grow you. Love yourself. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone's just doing their best. Yes, everyone's doing their best. Yeah. And everyone's learning. Yeah. Everyone's learning, everyone's growing, everyone's being their best selves. It's a journey. It's a journey, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tom. I really appreciate it. Oh, I really appreciate you. You're amazing. Yay. Yes. And thank you for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic and helping remove some of the stigma around talking about mental health. If you enjoyed this episode with Tom, why not give us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts? Make sure you've pressed that purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and tell all of your friends. Literally all of them. Just tell them. <laughs> you can tag us in your shoutouts on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. It sounds small, but those are all ways to really help spread awareness and, more importantly, hope. <laughs>